This podcast is brought to you by Stella Artois. When you're planning to enjoy everything Houston has to offer, especially all the great restaurants in our city, start with Estella. Whether you're going to eat with friends or solo, start with Estella. Stella Artois. Enjoy responsibly. Welcome to What's Eric Eating, Culture Map's bi-weekly look at all things Houston bars and restaurants. I'm your host, Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. Hope everybody had a happy Thanksgiving and a good holiday. This is the Tuesday show where we talk about some news in the restaurant world, as well as a couple of meals at restaurants we think you will want to know more about. To do that, I am joined by my co-host this week. He is a Houston hospitality veteran and a co-founder of the Houston Barbecue Festival. Michael Fulmer, welcome back to the show. How are you? Doing great. Recovering from the holidays. It's uh, like smoothies and hot tea now. Yeah, it's just salads, just just nonstop salads for the next few days. <laughs> All right. Let us dive right into the news of the week. Topic number one. Dallas Tex-Mex restaurant Mi Cocina is now open in the former Seasons 52 space on Westheimer. Michael, let me just throw it to you. I mean, we have a lot of Tex-Mex in this town. So what are your expectations for, for Mikosino, which we, we should note uh, had a brief run kind of in the, in the Briar Grove Memorial area in the aughts. Uh, they were in the woodlands uh, in the, in the 20 teens uh, with sort of mixed results, but uh, they're, they're back for real this time. I, this is, this is the, the no bullshit full throttle, huge 10,000 square foot restaurant, you know, the whole, the whole shebang. So, so what do you think? I mean, what will it take for Mikosina to to establish a a permanent beachhead here in Houston? It's just having the right location in this case. I mean, I don't know that Houston will ever plateau when it comes to Tex-Mex because that's everybody, you know, everybody wants one in their neighborhood. Everybody has one in their neighborhood. And, you know, there's just kind of a limitless desire for it. Uh, I mean, I'm right there with them on that. You know, it's usually... My go-to meal when I get back from a, a trip is like I just want that comforting Tex-Mex, you know, experience. Uh, in the case of Mikosino, you know, going over into the River Oaks, going to Highland uh, area. Um, I mean, what's over there? Uh, Escalante, I guess. Um, yeah, the River Oaks area doesn't have, they don't have a Tex-Mex place in that. So they're filling a hole there. And, you know, I guess it, time will tell to see whether or not they succeed. I think they will. Uh, it's a good look. It's a great location. Uh, and I think, uh, as I said before, I think there's kind of a limitless desire for Tex-Mex. It's, a, it's always kind of a default setting for the majority of diners in this town. Yeah, no, I, I, I think you're you're on track. I mean, there you're right. There is not Tex-Mex in River Oaks District specifically, which is the, the massive uh, development that, that Mikosina is opening next to. Yes, Escalante is in Highland Village. You know, if you push a little farther afield, right? If you if you kind of stretch the radius to a mile or two, well, you know, Cyclone Anaya's is busily building out a new location where Frank's Americana used to be. You go a little farther down Westheimer, you get to the Chewies that's been on across from Lamar High School for uh, as long as I can remember. You know, you hop down to Richmond, you've got kind of the Tex-Mex trio. Pico's, Little Papacitos, and El Tiempo. Uh, come back towards Greenway Plaza. There's Valencia's Tex-Mex Garage that opened last year. You've got the new 
uh, Los Tios at West Park and Buffalo Speedway that opened earlier this year. Cross 610, you've got the Ninfas uh, at San Felipe and Post Oak. And then I suppose if you if you absolutely must, there's uh, there's Blanco, that that Mexican restaurant in, in the Galleria. But but I, I think that's going to be like the Godfather three. I think we're just going to pretend that doesn't exist. <laughs> so, you know, in that universe, right, with all of these choices, I think kind of the things that Mikosina does well, right? Like it's mostly located in kind of affluent Dallas neighborhoods. And so, you know, we think about kind of in, in that sense, like food is important, but food is also a little bit secondary to experience, right? Like if they have great customer service, you know, they're they're known for their Mambo Taxi, you know, a frozen uh, margarita with a sangria swirl. If the drinks are good, if the service is good. Uh, I've seen some pictures of the interior. It looks really nice in there. It doesn't look like Seasons 52, thank God. So I, I think there's a, I think there's a niche, right? Kind of a an upscale Tex-Mex, kind of a companion to some of the, you know, the late night type shenanigans that goes on at the restaurants in River Oaks District. Uh, I, I think I think that alone, you know, if if it's sort of the Tex-Mex uh, boss cat kitchen, right? Like great service, great drinks, pretty good food, lively atmosphere. I think they'll do just fine. Yeah, I mean, I think you mentioned everything kind of in the in the in the order of which people desire it there, which is, you know, in that area, it's an experience. It's like a vibe, as we say. Uh, you know, and these sort of alcohol fueled experiences uh, are what dominate. Uh, it's not to say that there's bad food there all the time, but it's definitely, you know, it's a tertiary or secondary thing to what, you know, those other priorities are, which are, you know, I want a, a good vibe. I want a good cocktail. I want good service. Uh, and so, yes, if you want to compete well, you should bring good food. But those other things are definitely the priority for that area. Absolutely. All right. Anything else on this? Uh, no, I mean, I, I mean, I think I ate at me casino a gazillion years ago. So of course I'll go back. I'll always try another one, but I think like everyone who's listening here, we all have a favorite Tex-Mex place in our neighborhood and that's our go-to place. So, you know, as far as them being destination, um, I think it's more that that environment is destination worthy, the high end, uh, shopping, the IPIC cinema, you know, uh, everyone's coming back, you know, pretty strongly in terms of the, the retail places. So I think that's that that's their crowd. No, I, I think that's right. Yeah, I, I have never been to a Mikosina. I'm I'm excited to try it. You know, I'll, I'll go for brisket tacos. I'll get my my Mambo taxi. I'll, I'll see what's up. But yeah, I think this is kind of, you know, I don't I don't think it's going to crack uh, uh, little papacitos or or more more on point candente in my personal rotation. But I'm open to being surprised. What you're putting out there is just saying you're going to take one for the team, Daddy. It's what I'm required to do. It's this is the life I've chosen, Daddy. Get in there. All right. Topic number two: Elbow Leo has opened its new location in West Houston and the the Mission Bend neighborhood, which is kind of near A Leaf on Highway Six. It is the largest bakery in the company. It's also the first one with a patio, so you can actually you can sit outside and and sip a sip a cup of coffee and have a, a concha or a bolillo or a cookie or a piece of tres leches before you move on about your day. Michael, I mean, I've only ever been to the the El Bolillo on Airline Drive, which is kind of the original location. So I don't I won't claim to have a ton of experience with this. Uh, but what are your thoughts on, on El Bolillo going to West Houston? There's a couple of interesting dynamics. I mean, it wasn't that long ago Houston didn't have a decent bakery. You know, I, I mean, I say that 
I think with all veracity that, you know, and that's changed. And so the bar has gotten higher. El Balio has, a, you know, a, certainly a loyal clientele. I mean, I go there specifically just to get tortillas. Uh, I, you know, I'm not real big on what, what carasoles and panderos. Uh, it's just not really my thing. Um, and so I, I don't think they're just playing to, uh, you know, a Hispanic or a Latino uh, audience that these things have integrated themselves well into the cuisine here, not just in, in Houston, but in Texas. And so there's uh, just a real wide swath of people who really enjoy that. Uh, so they seem to have several. I mean, how many do they have? Is it three or four in the city so, now? Or? Yeah. So this is the fourth and it's it's 12,000 square feet. So they're not they're not messing around. They're they're coming strong to uh, Mission Bend. I think that speaks also to the, you know, doing the whole catering and and getting people who are doing custom desserts, people who want tres leches uh, and that kind of thing to go uh, that, you know, there's there's no shortage of people who enjoy that. Um, they, they do a good job, you know, and, and like I said, they're already well established. So I think it's, I think it's a good move. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I think of bakeries as kind of a, a, like a morning and afternoon, uh, kind of situation, but, but all of these Albalia locations are open from 6am until 10pm. So, you know, when you get that, like after dinner, Tris Lecce's craving, uh, they're there for you. I, I think that there's something really admirable about that. They talk about, you know, they have over a hundred different items, empanadas. You mentioned tortillas. Uh, certainly they're known for their conches. Uh, obviously the bolillos, the rolls that they make every day. And, and I, you know, there's a, there's a commitment to craft there uh, that I, that I can really respect, even if I'm not a, a frequent El Bolillo shopper. I, I will say, you know, I, I remember uh, touring the airline drive location once uh, as part of a, a foodie group outing and and i i remember looking at those bolillos and thinking like oh you know this would be like kind of a nice alternative to the the kaiser rolls that i sometimes buy at three brothers you know this was this was right after uh one of the hurricanes and and uh, three brothers had flooded and they were uh, rebuilding and so i thought oh you know this will be uh this will be a nice alternative you know to take to uh, my mother's house on a sunday morning and then i saw that every roll got a, a a nice layer of lard to give it a, a nice crunchy crust uh right before it went to the oven and i thought oh no i can't i can't take a, a lard covered uh roll into my uh, mother's kosher home that's just not gonna fly <laughs> well they do kolaches and you know tamales uh these are all things that you know people will eat there but they'll also i mean that's that's big to go business absolutely all right you know i'm gonna say that does it for the News of the week. We'll be right back with our restaurants of the week. Stick around. Michael, for our restaurants of the week, I want to talk to you about three places. Let's start with Rumi's Kitchen. This is the new upscale Persian restaurant that opened on Post Oak. It comes to Houston from Atlanta, where they have three locations. You know, I'm going to say we had a pretty good dinner at Rumi's Kitchen. What did you What did you think just kind of walking in and, and uh, looking around? What were your first impressions? First of all, it's a beautiful space. You know, th- you know, when you see restaurants that throw a lot of money into something, 
and it's just high-end decorations. Maybe it's it's not really necessarily cohesive or coherent. Um, in this case, man, it's it's beautiful. Like whoever designed that place, you know, they've earned their they earned their their paycheck because it's it's gorgeous. Uh, it, it feels really comfortable. It feels opulent without being like kind of disaffected. Like I, I you know, I feel really comfortable going there in a casual kind of uh, vibe. But it, it's also someplace you could go on a date or in a more you know for more formal occasion. Uh, so it has that kind of versatility. Uh, you know, dining in the bar too. Uh, and, and, you know, in that location, it's just uh, it, it's beautiful, and that's a really. It's a very warm kind of thing to walk into uh, without, you know, like a scene, like without feeling disaffected from the high end, you know, that's not always the easiest thing to do. And as far as I'm concerned, they, they kind of hit the nail on that. They really, they really did it for interior. Yeah. You know, I, I think that's well said, you know, it occurs to me it's, it's in the same building as Uchiko, which is just a gorgeous, uh, really opulent kind of environment. And so, if you're going to open in that, in that building, then you need a design that sort of stands up to uh, your neighbor. And I think they achieve that. You know, what I like is, as you mentioned, is there's kind of three distinct spaces. There's the the bar area. That's a little more casual. There's the main dining room with a view of the kitchen. And then there's a, a pretty big private dining room uh, that we saw people taking advantage of when we were there. So I, you know, you can kind of tailor your experience around, around where you sit and then talk to me about food. I mean, what what stood out to you from our our meal? Because we ate pretty extensively. Yeah, people who have eaten food from that area, from that cuisine. When you look at what you know, Iranian, Lebanese, you know that that Eastern Mediterranean area. You know, lots lots of small dishes that are appropriate for sharing. Uh, and the beginnings that they have there were we like we're right on time. You know, the the eggplant, the tremolo we had was delicious. Uh, I think we had a smoked eggplant too, uh, and some tahini and the flatbread they did. This really impressed me. Flatbread, you know, which is, uh, just a, it's an unleavened bread. There's no yeast in it. Um, can sometimes just come across like a, like a cracker, um, almost like a matzah, if you will. And in this case, it just, it had just a little bit of softness to it. It had great texture and flavor and it works so beautifully with all these, uh, you know, for lack of a better word, like almost like dips, if you will, uh, uh, just just delicious. And then we, I think we got some small lamb ribs, and yeah, sign me up for lamb ribs every time. One, you don't see them very often. They're hard to source, and they're hard to execute well because of of what the, the the amount of meat that's on there. Uh, and it had just this like glaze on it. You know, uh, God, I could eat those every day. Uh, so the starters all were kind of home runs for me. Um, and then we, you know, we went into entrees. Sea bass was cooked perfectly. It was moist. It was delicious. Uh, you know, tasted fresh. We had the kebab. We had that stew. I mean, you know, I, I liked a lot of what we tried. Yeah, I did too. Uh, the, the sides we had, the rice was good. It was well, well cooked. Um, uh, the chutneys had distinct flavor without being, you know, over the top. Um, the thing that, you know, I, I think we'll get to this is that, you know, like kind of their showstopper is their pomegranate short rib, you know, it's a hundred and almost $150, you know, and obviously it's meant to be shared and it, it does say it has a pomegranate glaze, but at least for my taste, the glaze was overwrought in this case, it, it kind of, it, it was, the short rib was cooked perfectly, you know, it was soft, it tore apart, it had distinctive beef flavor, you know, it was good quality beef. 
but that glaze just kind of just overwhelmed it uh, completely. Uh, I have no problem with you know with the pomegranate glaze, but this was just for at least for our experience, I thought it was too much. Yeah, you know, it's the one thing that you know I posted that picture of the the pomegranate short rib, and I I got a couple messages from people who who said that when they ordered it it didn't have as much glaze or it didn't look like it had their version had as much glaze as the one we were served. And I wonder if maybe in an attempt to impress us, they just, they went a little bit overboard on the, on the pomegranate. Cause, cause you're right. It was, it was too sweet. Like I like kind of sweet meat. Like I, you know, I grew up eating Simis and, and some of these other kind of classic Jewish dishes that run a little bit sweet. Uh, but yeah, it was, even for me, it was a little bit too sweet, but so many good things. I mean, the kebab was killer. Uh, you mentioned the bread. I really like that. You, you didn't mention the uh, uh, the roasted tomato dish that we had with the labna that I really liked. Right. Uh, we had the we had the mushroom hummus that I really enjoyed. So yeah, I mean, just a whole lot to like on this menu. And and you know, I I kind of cross referenced. I I went to a, a more traditional, uh, more casual Persian restaurant kind of on my own a couple weeks ago, and you know, I think the Rumi's dishes hold up really well. Uh, they're obviously more expensive. You're obviously paying for uh, the presentation and the ingredients and the design and all that stuff. But I think you get, I think it's still like a pretty decent value. You know, I, I think that they, on the overall experience, I think they really deliver. And and I know I've seen uh, several of my Persian friends uh, going there multiple times. And so I, I think that speaks really well of what they're trying to achieve. Yeah, I, I wholeheartedly concur. I've talked with several of my Persian friends too, and they, they really enjoyed it for the most part. Um, and and we we talk about that one thing, uh, is it a value? Was the money you spent kind of commensurate with the experience? And I felt like it really was. Like they they deliver. You know, the service was spot on. They have a really strong drink program. You know, and if you really, you want to have a wine experience, there, there's no shortage. They have they, and great depth uh, uh, and somewhat breadth on the wine list. Uh, and it was, you know, reasonably priced. It's still kind of the standard markup there. But, you know, that's the way that goes. Uh, and then the desserts we have, uh, you know, nothing to really phone home about, you know, on that one. Uh, they had a Persian, ice, you know, a Persian ice cream sandwich that I enjoyed, but, you know, nothing really spectacular in my eyes. I mean, I enjoyed them, but meh. Yeah, I don't know. That ice cream sandwich was pretty killer. I, I would go back for that ice cream sandwich. I'd uh, That that was the one thing that stood out. And they, they had that, um, I think it was like a honey cake with strawberries on it that I that I also enjoyed. I mean, yeah, I, I think. You know the desserts. The desserts were kind of good enough, but but yeah, that ice cream sandwich was um, with the saffron ice cream was really killer. Yeah, they did that, and we you know we had the uh, the tea service uh, that was delicious. It was just wonderful. I you know when I lived up north, I drank a lot of tea. You know, and once I moved away from like a winter area, I'm a I'm a coffee guy all the way now. It's rare that I drink tea. You know, except maybe you know in a, a Chinese restaurant and. Um, Man, it was. I would have that tea every time. You know, I went back there. It was just wonderful. Absolutely. All right. So then, uh, as we always say, the standard is: Will you go back? Yeah. Yeah, I would definitely go back. Yeah, I agree with you. I I can't wait to go back. All right. And then, I want to talk to you about for our second restaurant. I want to talk to you about Comalito. This is the new taqueria that replaced Wild Oats in the Houston Farmers Market. It is led by Chef uh, Luis Robledo Richards, who is a pretty accomplished guy. He's uh, been named uh, the best pastry chef in Latin America several years ago. He's uh, He's been a judge on a Netflix cooking competition. I mean, you know, when I was in there, I, I saw a group of people, you know, taking pictures with him, right? They were, they were very, they like, they know who he is. They were very excited to see him, you know, maybe, maybe Houstonians who aren't quite as plugged into 
the Mexico City dining scene may not may not be quite as aware of his reputation, but this is, I think, a, a nice development for uh, the farmers market and for Underbelly Hospitality, which partnered with uh, Chef Luis on this on this restaurant. But uh, I don't know, let me throw it to you. What did you What did you think of our lunch at Comalito? Uh, it's really promising. One, it's you know, it's aggressively priced, and when I say that, I mean it's the it's like the the prices are low. You know, they know that there's food trucks everywhere and there's places to get tacos from as low as, you know, $2, $3, $4. So, you know, yes, it's a sit down place and you're going to get a little bit more because you are having more of an experience and they are, you know, they offer more, but they're not turning it into this like, oh, we are a luxurious taco experience. It's like they're, you know, it, it, it felt great, you know, in the environment in there. Um, and the tacos were really solid that we had the pastor. I really enjoyed. Um, I, there was a couple they didn't have because we were there early before they really got going. You know, I, I really want to try the lengua, the paria, you know, the grilled meats that we had that they brought the tortillas out. Uh, we had a, a marinade skirt, I believe, and a pork rib that was a choleta that was delicious. And But more importantly, those tortillas, you know, they're making them right there. Yes, they're nixtamalized. And yes, they are delicious. And that alone is enough for me to come back. But there's just uh it's it's a really deep menu in terms of what they offer. Uh and that's uh that's very compelling. Yeah, and I, I like that they're doing, you know, the coaster tacos with the crispy cheese. Uh like you said, they're making their their tortillas, they're using heirloom corn from from Mexico that they're uh nixtamalizing. I think that's kind of the new standard now for for kind of the modern uh chef-driven taqueria in this town, right? Like that's kind of the that's kind of the the minimum point of entry if you want to be taken seriously you know certainly cochinita co is is doing that uh popolo at, at uh, finn hall downtown is doing that so that's kind of the new standard and and so i i appreciate that you know you mentioned that that quesadilla uh with the with the blue corn tortilla and the mushrooms i thought that was really stand out they come with uh i want to say three different salsas uh all of which we enjoyed you know with various levels of heat like the you know that habanero that's got a little more zip to it but it's kind of a a sweet spicy that I really enjoyed. And then, uh, you know, the cocktails have been a little bit of a work in progress. Like you said, we went, we went pretty early on, but uh, I think they'll get that dialed in, you know, in terms of getting their, their margarita, their Paloma, all that stuff kind of sorted. And, and, you know, like you said, I think that the pricing is pretty aggressive. Uh, you know, a basic pastor taco, I think is uh three fifty or four bucks. Uh, you know, it's, it's a street style. It's, it's a smaller serving, but again, you can get, you can get a platter with enough pastor to kind of make yourself for lunch or, or split for uh, 15, $16. And I, I think that's, that's competitive. I think, you know, as we sort of think about uh, the farmer's market and the way it's been redeveloped, I mean, people still go there to shop for inexpensive produce. that's kind of trucked in uh, from all over. And so, you know, a, an accessible taqueria that's kind of grab and go, or, or you order it kind of dim sum style, you fill out a, a piece of paper with what you want, and then it comes out, you know, I, I think that just that makes a lot of sense for that development and certainly more sense than a kind of family focused, uh, more upscale comfort food restaurant. Yeah, they didn't see they they weren't shying away from like bringing the stuff that clearly the chef, you know, has has, has grown up with and, you know, having, you know, the tripas, you know, tripe, uh, you know, some yeah, of the lingua. Yeah, they've, they've got cachete, the beef cheek, you know, exactly. And, and I'm all in for I'm not a trite person, so I'm not going to have that. But, you know, I still like to see it on there because I know there's people who enjoy that. And they're saying, you know, we're not going to 
we're not going to dumb this down. We're going to, we're going to make the food that we love. And that always to me kind of is a successful formula or potentially a successful formula. When people, we're going to say that cook from the heart and they cook with the passion of what they are. You know, when that translates, it's, it's, it's wonderful. Right. I, I think that's all, I think that's all well said. I, you know, the only thing we haven't mentioned is uh, the best thing we ate there, uh, which is undeniably that uh, churro, which was just like crispy <laughs> and, and crunchy and, and so fluffy. Like, I don't, I don't know what they do to make that churro so fluffy, but it was, it was outstanding. I'd, I'd go back just for the churros. It, it's the, some of the best churros I've ever had, you know, and, and the churro game in this town has just been on a steady rise upward, uh, which is, um, um, I'm all in for that. That's a beautiful thing to have happen. And yeah, I agree. I, they're so good. I would go back after a meal somewhere and say, Hey, we're just here for the churros. It's like, they're that good. <laughs> yeah. We're here for, we're here for the churros and a, and a cup of coffee and, uh, you know, no surprise Lewis is a, is a pastry chef by training and, uh, you know, they're going to roll out uh, breakfast and brunch service pretty soon with his, with his pastries and, and, you know, the pictures of the, the croissants and, and some of the other things that he's been working on. Uh, they look great, and I I can't wait to go back and try that stuff. And having that trumpo there, you know the the meat that's been slow braised on a turning spit, you know that's that's very problematic because of how the Houston Health Department treats it. You know you couldn't for the longest time you couldn't even find trumpo inside the city limits, uh, and then the what was needed to do it to like enc- encase it in like a plastic you know, container, it was just kind of ridiculous. Um, but so they have it reset behind the, you know, the line, uh, and there's man, Trumpo meat, you know, that's been slow braised and it's just shaved off. Yeah. I'm all in on that. No, absolutely. All right. And then, uh, just briefly, I want to talk to you about burnt bean company. This is a barbecue restaurant in Seguin, Texas, which is outside of San Antonio. It was in the top five of the 2021 Texas monthly Top 50, we know their pitmaster, Ernest Cervantes, who I think is going to be a guest on this podcast uh, at some point in January. But on Sunday mornings, they do they do a breakfast menu in addition to their lunch menu uh, that we were, we've were we been talking about going out to try for, for several months. And so I left my house at 6.30 a.m. to be uh, in front of your place at about 6.45. Uh, we blasted off to Seguin. We got there a couple, uh, two and a half hours later, give or take you know, doing a steady uh, 75 all the way uh, down I-10. So let me just ask you, I mean, you know, this is this is a barbecue restaurant that that's ranked very highly by Texas Monthly. It was nominated, uh, Ernest and his business partner were nominated for uh, the James Beard Award for Best Chef Texas this year that was won by uh, Street to Kitchen. So, so let me just ask you, I mean, is this one of the very best barbecue restaurants in Texas? Uh, it's one of the best restaurants. I mean, it's certainly one of the best barbecue places without question. I mean, he landed right in the top 10 when Texas Monthly came out and deservedly so. Um, he does. I mean, he's really entrenched and, and knows his basic Texas Trinity. You know, his his brisket is moist. It's got a nice bark on it. The ribs, he does a little sweet glaze with it. They're cooked all the way through. But, you know, there's just enough tensile strength on that so you can pull it away. You know, they're not fall off the bone, you know, which is, you know, not the way to go um his sausage is house made you know it's very laborious to do in-house sausage um and you know if anything he really does all that work um and just there's great snap to it incredible flavors and he he changes up uh you know the different flavors on on those um i had gone before and and like his his chicken uh, i rarely order chicken anywhere 
but his chicken is like some of the best I've ever had. You know, it's, it's just fantastic. And so this was a special experience to go there on a Sunday and try, you know, the Sunday, you know, breakfast or the Sunday brunch, whatever you want to call it. You know, he's been asking me to come for a while for that. And, you know, it, you got to get up early, but we did. And was it worth it? Oh my God. You know, incredible, you know? And so you, the basics are great, but man, his barbacoa, which he, you know, he talked about it's from his hometown, you know, of Uvalde is a special kind of barbacoa, you know, delicious, great texture on that. Um, we had lamb ribs there, which he did Moroccan style, you know, and some of these are R&Ds and some of them are, are like just Sunday specials. Um, his huevos rancheros are some of the best I've ever had. It was just perfect, you know, perfect. I, my only comment that they, they don't care for is that it's just not close enough to my house to have on a regular basis. You know, <laughs> you know obviously it's one thing to make outstanding barbecue and the brisket and the pork ribs and the pork chop. And the sausage that we all tried were all excellent. Love that pork uh, chop. But but what's even more impressive to me is that then they turn around and and just for this one day a week, they, they turn around and they do uh like you said, they do the kind of the Uvaldi uh take on on barbacoa. He also served us a couple of lamb barbacoa tacos, a brisket and egg on a on a croissant. Um and and they all come with their own, you know, salsas and they make their tortillas and uh, corn and flour. And, and so, you know, they're doing all this uh, really just out of love for this cuisine and to kind of share something different with people. And, and I, you know, I don't, I don't think that it's, it's, it's not like to make a whole ton of extra money. I, I think it's just because, you know, they love this food and they want to put their spin on it. And I just, I just had so much, it was just so good uh, to be in that building. My, my first visit uh, to experience that food and and to get to talk with Ernest a little bit. I just, I, I had such a good time. Uh, and, and again, you know, it's a, it's a big, it's a big push to get up really early on a Sunday morning and, and blast off down the highway, you know, only to come, you know, to come right back, right. Not to, not to go to San Antonio for anything, you know, not as part of a larger, uh, excursion, but I'm so glad that we did. Yeah. I was kind of cursing you just cause it's, you know, so early, uh, but you know, I couldn't have been happy. Like what a great experience, you know? We've talked before, you know, and I've certainly mentioned it, you know, the idea of cooking from your personality and cooking from love, you know, my, my experience at June and, and street to kitchen coming out of there with this kind of almost inarticulate experience of, of, of emotion. And that's how I feel like this was. It's like Ernest is so committed to what he's doing and it's so about who he is, uh, you know, that it just, it's, it translates beautifully. You know, his commitment to quality is, is, is without question, you know, and it, 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 he, he meets the mark, you know, the bar is, is incredibly high. The mollejas we have, the, the sweetbreads, uh, you know, that's, that can be a difficult thing to do, you know, getting the, getting quality, you know, sweetbreads, cleaning them properly, you know, and then doing this with smoke, man, it was, it was fantastic. It was just delicious. Uh, so, yeah, it, it 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 ranks as one of the best dining experiences I've had this year, and that's a beautiful thing. Here we are, uh, coming into you know we're in December uh, to have that. You know, it's just wow, what a great what a great experience. Absolutely. All right, Michael, I'm going to say that does it for our restaurants of the week. Thank you very much. My pleasure. All right, that does it for today's show. Thank you so much for listening. Join me on Thursday when my guest will be Kyle Noonan from Free Range Concepts. <laughs>